This is episode one of The Morgue. Today we will be talking about Charles Manson, aka Charles Miles Maddox. He was born November 12, 1934, to his 16 year old Kathleen Manson Bauer Cavender, who lived from 1918 till 1973. He was first named No Name Maddox, but within weeks he was renamed Charles Miles Maddox. Manson's biological father appears to have been Connell Walker Henderson Scott, and he filed a paternity suit that resulted in an agreed judgment in 1937. Um, Charles never... um, known his biological father. Scott worked intermittently in local mills and so had a local reputation as a con artist. He allowed Maddox to believe that he was an army colonel, um, although colonel was merely his given name. When Maddox told Scott that she was pregnant, He told her he had been called away in army business. After several months, she realised he has no intention of returning. Now, first offences. In an interview with Diane Sawyer, Manson said that he was nine. When he was nine, he set his school on fire, which is pretty, you know, weird behaviour for a nine-year-old. Manson also got in trouble for truancy and petty theft, although there was a lack of foster home placements. In 1947, at the age of 13, Manson was placed in a, in a boarding school for boys in Indiana, a school for male delinquents run by Catholic priests. Um, it was a strict school where punishment for even the tiniest infraction included beatings with either a wooden paddle or a leather strap. Manson ran away from this school and slept in the woods under bridges and wherever else he could find shelter, which would probably be from the rain, storms, anything like that. He then fled home to his mother and spent Christmas 1947 um, at his aunt and uncle's house. His mother returned him to the school. Ten months later, he ran away to Indianapolis. Um, Manson committed his first known crime by robbing a grocery store. At first, the robber was simply to find something to eat. However, Manson found a cigar box containing just over $100, and he took the money. He used it to rent a room in um, Skid Row to buy food. And to buy food, sorry. Um, for a time, Manson tried to go straight by getting a job delivering messages for Western Union. However, he quickly began to supplement his wages through petty theft. He was eventually caught, and in 1949, a sympathetic judge sent him to Boys Town, a juvenile facility in o- Omaha, Nebraska. After four years at Boys Town, he and his fellow students, Blackie, Nielsen obtained a gun and stole a car, which is quite weird. Anyways, they used it to commit two armed robberies on their way to the home of Nielsen's uncle. Nielsen's uncle was a professional theft, aka thief, and when the boys arrived, he allegedly took them as on as apprentices. Manson was arrested two weeks later during a nighttime raid on a Peoria store. In the investigation that followed, he was linked to his two earlier armed robberies. He was then sent to Indiana Boys School, a strict reform school, that is. At the school, other students allegedly raped Manson with the encouragement of a staff member, and he was repeatedly beaten. So, so far, it seems that he's had a traumatic childhood Obviously, the trauma from his parent, well, his father leaving him and his mum having to send him to a boys' school that was really, really strict. 
um, it's caused him to have some sort of mental disorder and so um, he ran away from the school 18 times and while at school Manson developed a self-defense technique he later called the insane game which isn't weird at all when he was physically unable to defend himself he would screech grimace and wave his arms to convince aggressors that he was insane after a number of failed attempts, he escaped with two other boys in February 1951. The three escapees were robbing filing stations or filling stations while attempting to drive to California in stolen cars when they were arrested in Utah for the federal crime of driving a stolen car across straight lines. Manson was sent to Washington, D.C.'s National Trailing School for Boys. On arrival, he was given aptitude tests, which determined that he was illiterate, but had above-average IQ of 109. His caseworker deemed him aggressively antisocial. So this is based on his early, early life and first offences. Um, obviously, so far he's had kind of a hard life. Um, I mean. He must be generally insane because of all the robberies, the armed robberies, and obviously with the tra- um, the traumatizing events that happen at like the Indiana Boys School and the Guy Bolt School for Boys in Terre Haute, um, it kind of makes sense why he would act out like this. So, you know, so we're gonna move on to the first imprisonment which I will talk about in the next part. And we are back with part two of the Charles Manson case. Now, at first we were talking about his early age and like his first imprisonment. <clears throat> but now we are going, well, we're talking about his first offences, but they weren't exactly... Um, to the point where he was imprisoned, he just went for juvie because he was quite young. Um, so after he was, um, his caseworker deemed him aggressively antisocial. On his psychiatrist's recommendation, Manson was transferred in October 1951 to Natural Bridge on a camp, a minimum security in institution. Insti- I can't even say it, it's weird, right. In situation, I'm so bad at this. I can't even read, that's how bad it is. Okay, so his aunt visited him and told administrators that she would let him stay at her house and would help him find work. Manson had been, had a parole hearing scheduled for February 1952. However, in January, he was caught raping a boy at knife point. Wow, okay. Um, Manson was transferred to the Federal Reformatory in Petersburg, Virginia. There, he committed a further eight serious disciplinary um, offences and three involving homosexual acts. He was then moved to a maximum security reformatory in... Ch- oh, don't even... S- Do you know what? Some of these words... Chillicothe, Ohio where he was expected to remain until his release on his 21st birthday in November 1955. Good behaviour led to an early release in May 1954 to live with his aunt and uncle in McMeachin. Okay, right, don't judge me. If you know how to say this correctly, good for you. Um, So... In January 1955, Manson married a hospital waitress named Rosalie, I don't know whether to say Jean or Jean, but I'm just going to go with Jean, Jean Willis. Around October, about three months after he and his pregnant wife arrived in Los Angeles in a car he had stolen in Ohio, Manson was again charged with a federal crime for taking um well for taking a vehicle across state lines after a psychiatric evaluation um 
he was given five years probation. Manson's failure to appear at a LA hearing on an identical charge filed in Florida resulted in his in his March 1956 arrest in Indianapolis. His probation was revoked and he was sentenced to three years imprisonment at Terminal Island, San Pe Pedro, California. So, so far this is based on his first, based on his first imprisonment and when Manson was in prison Rosalie gave birth to their son, Charles Manson Jr., during their first year at Terminal Island. Manson received visits from Rosalie and his mother, who were now living together in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And in March 1957, when the visits from his wife ceased, his mother informed Rosalie, um, informed him that Rosalie was living with another man. Less than two weeks before a scheduled hearing, Manson tried to escape by stealing a car. He was given five years probation and his parole was denied. And so that was his, um, you know, it, it's pretty pretty much a big deal as twice, I think now that he's um, taken the vehicle across state lines, which is a federal crime. Um, and so, you know, it's, his parole should have been denied in the first place and after hearing that his um, wife was living with another man I can't imagine how he felt um, when trying to steal the car but you know it, it happens um, so we are going to go on to the third part which is the second imprisonment so Manson received five years parole in September 1958, the same year in which Rosalie received a decree of divorce. By November, he was pimping a 16-year-old girl and receiving additional support from a girl with wealthy parents. In September 1959, he pleaded guilty to a charge attempting to cash a forged US Treasury cheque which he claimed to have stolen from a mailbox. The latter charge was later dropped. He received a 10-year suspended sentence and probation after a young woman named Leona, who had an arrest record for prostitution, made a tearful plea before the court that she and Manson were deeply in love and would marry, and would marry if Charlie was freed. Wow. <laughs> He would want to marry this guy. I mean, like, the amount of crimes he has admitted and he was, like, only born in 1934 and from the time of what we're talking about right now, it's basically, what, like, 1959? So, you know, it's, it's kind of a big deal right now. So, before the year's end, the woman did marry Manson. Wow, it feels like I'm saying Marilyn Manson, you know, the singer is weird. <laughs> anyway, possibly, so she would not be required to testify against him. So that's the reason why she probably did it. Manson took Leona and another woman to New Mexico for purposes of prostitution, resulting in him being held and questioned for violating the Man Act. Um, so if you don't know what the Man Act is, um, well... Basically, it's um, it's an original that it's made into a felony, uh, felony um, to engage in interstate or foreign commerce transport of any woman or girl for purposes of prostitution and debauchery and for ever other immoral purposes like you know like crimes and um, its primary stated intent was to address prostitution immortality immorality. Oh my God. Jesus, I'm not a damn vampire. Anyway, and human trafficking, um, particularly, particularly where trafficking was for the purposes of prostitution. And so, um, so yeah, it's pretty much just wow. Um, 
Though he was released, Manson correctly suspected that the investigation had not ended. Where he disappeared in violation of his probation, a bench warrant was issued and an indictment for violation of the Mann Act followed in April 1960. Following the arrest of one of the women of, for prostitution, Manson was arrested in June, Laredo, Texas, and was returned to LA for violating his probation on the check cashing. What the hell is this tongue twister? Check cashing charge. Might not seem like a tongue twister, but it definitely is to me. Um, what was that now? Right, yeah, and he was ordered to serve his 10-year sentence. So he spent a year trying to unsuccessfully appeal the revocation of his probation. In July 1961, he was transferred to the LA County Jail to the United States um, Penitent... Jesus, what, like, why would they include all these damn words? Penitentiary, do you know what, whatever, at McNeil Island, Washington. There he took guitar lessons from, oh my God, no way. Right, so I had talked about this, the Barker and the Carpus gang. Um, I did talk about it in, um, um, on my Instagram. And there was like, what, like 24? Four, five, twenty-four, five members, um, and like, oh, it's like you had like Fred, Alvin, Arthur. Arthur was like named Doc as like a, you know, like a bit of a username, um, not a username. Why am I being such an idiot? Um, but yeah, like this Ma Barker as well, like, um, Barker's mothers and all that. This is very interesting. So basically, um, Manson. Um, he took guitar lessons from the leader Alvin, um, and was and obtained from another inmate a contact name of someone at Universal Studios in Hollywood, Phil Koofman. Um, Phil Koofman um, is a record producer, tour manager, and author best known for stealing the body of country musician Graham Parsons and burning it in Joshua Tree National Monument. Um, and so, according to Jeff Gwynn's, um, 2013 biology, biography, sorry, of Manson, his mother moved to Washington State to be closer to him during his McNeil Island incarceration, working nearby as a waitress. Obviously, th this mother's, like, proper, you know, like, she cares for him, no matter what he's done, and... Right now, he hasn't murdered anyone, but he he has raped, um, you know, like knife point, knife point, gunpoint, stuff like that. So the although the Man Act charge had been dropped, the attempt to cash the treasury check was still a federal offence. Manson's September 1961 annual review noted he had a tremendous drive to call attention to himself. An observation echoed in September 1964, but in 1963, Leona was granted a divorce. During the process, she was alleged that she and Manson had a son, Charles Luther. According to a popular urban legend, Manson auditioned unsuccessfully for the monkeys in late 1965. This is reviewed by the fact that Manson was still incarcerated at McNeil Island at the time. Now, June 1966, Manson was sent for the second time to the Terminal Island in preparation for early release, and by the time of his release day, on March 21st, 1967, he had spent more than half of his 32 years in prisons and other institutions. Well, I actually said it right this time. Um, this was mainly because he had broken federal laws, which is true. Um, federal sentences were and remain much more severe than state sentences for many of the same offences. Telling the authorities that prison had become his home, he requested permission to stay. I mean, for a guy who mainly stays in prison half of the time, it does make sense that he thinks of it as his home now. Like, even with his mother, I bet he feels like his mother, you know, 
isn't really his home anymore, which is quite, you know, I, I guess that's right. But his mother is very supportive at this point. Like, I don't even know how she can carry on supporting him. So, yeah, we're going to move on to part three, which will be the cult and the murders and the trial. So, listen out for part three. And we're back. So this is part three. I don't know how long this is going to take for part three, but I might have to do a part four and possibly five. Um, but we're going to go into the cult now. Now, um, after being discharged from prison in 1967, Manson began attracting a group of followers, mostly young women from around California, they were later known by as the Manson family. The core members of Manson's group following included Charles Tex Watson, a musician and farm actor, Robert, oh, don't eat right, Robert Beausole, yay, I think I might have said it right, a farmer musician and a pornographic actor, Mary Bruner, a pre previously a librarian, Susan Atkins, who was, um, she will, oh, I'm not even going to say because it's going to ruin the next part, um, Lisa Ka Kazabian, um, Patricia Krenwinkel, what the hell is that last name, Kren Krenwinkel, okay, calm down, Leslie Van Houten, so those are the people that were around in a group of followers, now this is where it all starts with the murders, the Manson family developed a doomsday cult, um, which that means an expression used to describe cults that believe in apocalyptic. That was awful. Apocalypticism and millenarialism. I did not say that right, but you know what I mean. And can refer to both groups that can predict disaster and those that attempt to bring it about to destroy the entirety of the universe. Now, when Manson become fixated on the idea of an imminent apocalyptic race war between America's black population and the larger white population, a white supremacist, if you didn't know what that means, it's a, it's basically um, white people, they're, you know, superior to those of other races and thus should dominate them. Its purpose in the maintenance and defence system is wealth, power and privilege. Um, now, back then, well, not even back then, most of the time, like, black slavery and stuff, I, like, black lives matter completely to me right now. And I'm still fixated on the fact that, you know, black lives matter. And so, back then white privilege was you know it was a big thing so anyway um manson believed that black people in america would rise up and kill all whites except from manson and his family but that they were not intelligent enough to survive on their own they would need a white man to lead them so they would serve manson as their master as their master um excuse me what the actual hell okay right Late in 1968, Manson adopted the term Helter Skelter. Um, so basically, this was like taken from a song from the Beatles. They released in an album, White Album. Um, this is referred to the upcoming war. In early August 19... Oh, pardon me. That's the Sunday I am currently eating. Um, Manson encouraged his followers to start Helter Skelter, um, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, by committing murders in LA and making it appear to be racially motivated. The Manson family gained national notoriety after the murder of actress Sharon Tate and four others in her home on August 8th and 9th in 1969 and Lino Rosemary Labianca the next day. The next day, Tex Watson and three other members of the family executed the Tate Labianca murders, allegedly acting under Manson's instructions. So, Manson was clearly manipulating, you know, these people, these women, and, you know, 
like probably guys as well um, <clears throat> while it was later accepted at the trial that obsession with any nice sitting a race war by killing those he fought were pigs and his belief that this would show the the n-word um how to do the same black people basically um another term that people will use is you know like negroids um i'm that i don't mean that in any racist way at all but i have seen it in films where people use it like that um, family members were also responsible for other assaults, thefts, crimes and the attempted assassination of President Gerald Ford in Sacramento by Lynette Squeaky Firm. Um, Lynette Squeaky Firm is an American criminal who was a member of the Manson family. Um, while it's often thought that Manson never murdered or attempted to murder anyone himself, true crime writer James Buddy Day in his book Hippie Cult Leader, The Last World Words of Charles Manson, claimed that Manson shot drug dealer Bernard Crow on July 1st, 1969, but Crow survived, which is very lucky in this case, because if you get shot, it will, I can guess that if you got shot now, back then, there wasn't as much medical attention as there is now. Um, moving on to <clears throat> the trial. Now, the state of California tried Manson for the, well, yeah, for the Tate and the LaBianca murders with co-defendants Leslie Van Houten, Susan Atkins and Patricia Krenwinkel. What the hell? I'm sorry, but what the hell is that name? Like, come on. Co-defendant Tex Watson was tried after a later day after being extradited extradited from Texas. So the trial began on July 15th, 1970. Mason appeared wearing fringed buckskin skins, his typical clothing at Span Ranch. On July 24th, 1970, the first day of testimony, Manson appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. His followers issued a statement from Manson saying, I have X'd, X'd myself from your world. The following day, Manson's co-defendants, um, Van Atkins and Krenwinkle, um, they also appeared in court with an X carved into their foreheads. Members of the Manson family camped outside of the courthouse and held a vigil, a vigil, um, on a street corner because they were excluded from the courtroom for being destructive. Some of Manson's followers also carved crosses into their heads. During the trial, members of the Manson family appeared in saffron robes and threatened to immolate themselves if Manson was convicted, just as nuns in Vietnam had done in the protest of the war. And so the state presented dozens of witnesses during the trial. However, its primary witness was Linda Cassabian. Um, like I said, she was a former member of the Manson family. And what happened was, who, well, she was present during the Tate murders on August 8th and 9th, 1969. Uh, Cassabian um, provided graphic testimony of the Tate murders, which she observed from outside the house. She was also in the car with Mason on the following evening when he ordered La the Labianca killings. Casabian spent days on the witness stand being cross-examined by the defendant's lawyers. After testifying, Casabian went into hiding for the next 40 years. Now, in early August 1970, President Richard Nixon told reporters that he believed that Manson was guilty of the murders, either directly or indirectly. Manson obtained a copy of the newspaper and held up the headline to the injurer. The defendant's attorneys then called for a mistrial, arguing that their clients had allegedly killed far fewer people than Nixon's war machine in Vietnam. Judge Charles H. Older, which um, he was an American, third highest scoring ace of the American Volunteer Group, 
um, he polled each member of the jury to determine whether each juror saw the headline and whether it affected his or her ability to make an independent decision. All of the ju jurors affirmed that they still could decide independently. Shortly after, the female defendants, Atkins, Crinwinkle and Van Houten, were removed from the room from chatting. Nixon says, we are guilty, so why go on? Now, what they're saying is basically they're just telling everyone that they are guilty and that um, they should just be arrested, whatever. Now, on October 5th, 1970, Manson attempted to kill Judge Alder while the jury was present in the room. Manson first threatened Alder and then jumped onto his lawyer's table with a sharpened pencil in the direction of Alder. Manson was restrained before reaching the judge while being led out of the courtroom. Manson screamed at Alder, In the name of Christian justice, someone, cut your, someone should cut your head off. Meanwhile, the female defendants began chanting something in Latin. This is probably to do with cult stuff. Um, judge Alder began wearing a 38 calibre pistol to the trail afterwards, which I don't blame him. Like, Manson should be tied down to his chair just to make sure that he doesn't, you know, get back up with it, that little sharpened pencil of his. On November 16, 1970, the state of California rested its case after presenting 22 weeks of w worth of evidence. The defendants then stunned the courtroom by announcing that they had no witnesses to present and rested their case. Now, there is actually a um, testimony that Manson gave, but I'm going to be doing that in part four. Like I said, there will be different parts to it because it is quite a big case. Um, does um, Manson was still in life, alive back in 2017, which is, you know, quite lucky for him considering. Um, and you know, like it's 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 kind of good to have a mur like a murderer in a way, um, that is still alive up until these like you know 2020 because. Um, people who write books nowadays do benefit from it and so do fans of true crime. So yeah, um, I'll see you back in part four. And we are back with part four of Manson's testimony. Now, immediately after defendants' counsel rested their case, the three female defendants shouted that they wanted to testify. Their attorneys advised the court in chambers that they opposed their clients testifying. Apparently, the female defendants wanted to testify that Manson had nothing to do with the murders. Now, obviously, Manson is the leader of this group, and it seems to me that he has manipulated them to the point where they they obviously want to say, like, we didn't, um, he didn't do anything, he didn't kill anyone, um, so we should be punished. The following day, Manson announced that he too wanted to testify. The judge allowed Manson to testify outside the presence of the jury. He stated as follows. These children that come at you with knives, they are your children. You taught them, I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. Most of the people at the ranch, at the ranch that call you that you called the family were just people that you did not want. Manson continued equating his actions to those of society at large. I know this, that in your hearts and souls, you are as much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am for killing those people. I can't judge any of you. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it is high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. Manson concluded, claiming that he too was a creation of a system that he viewed was fundamentally violent, violent and unjust. My father is the jailhouse. My father is your system. I am only what you made me. I am only a reflection of you. You want to kill me? Ha, I'm already dead have been all my life. I've spent 23 years in tombs that you have built. 
After Manson finished speaking, Judge Older offered to let him testify before the jury. Manson replied that it was not necessary. Um, Manson then thought, told the female defendants that they that they no longer needed to testify, which obviously pretty much a leader thing there. On November 30th, 1970, Van Houten's attorney, Ronald Hughes, failed to appear for the closing arguments in the trial. He was later found dead in a California state park. His body was badly decomposed and it was impossible to tell the cause of death. Hughes had disagreed with Manson before the trial, taking the position that his client, Van Houston, should not testify to claim that Manson had no involvement with the murders. Some have alleged that Hughes may have been murdered by the Manson family. Um, on January 25, 1971, the jury found Manson, Krenwinkel and Atkins guilty of first-degree murder in all seven of the Tate and LaBianca killings. The jury found Van Houten guilty of murder in the first degree in the LaBianca killings. So this moves on to the, um, the sentencing. Now, after the convictions, the court held a separate hearing before the same jury to determine if the defendants should receive the death sentence. Each of the three female defendants, Atkins, Hooten and Krimwinkle, took the stand. They provided graphic details of the murders and testified that Manson was not involved. According to the female defendants that had committed the crimes in order to help fellow Manson family member Bobby Bosell, I can't even, do you know how hard it is to say these words? Bosell, get out of jail where he was being held for the murder of Gary Hinman. Um, Gary Hinman was a um, desert commune and cult led by Charles Manson. So, like, you know. Um, well, not him, but um, he was, like, a victim. I don't know. Well, yeah, he was a victim. Um, the female defendants testified that the Tate... Labianca murders were intended to be copycat crimes, similar to ah oh, right. So Hinman was obviously a probably like another cult killer, which we can probably look into soon. Um, similar to the Hinman killing, Atkins, Crinwinkle, and Hewton claim that they did this under the direction of the state's prime witness, Linda Casabian. The defendants did not express remorse for the king killings; they felt no regret at all. I can imagine them probably saying it, you know, like, yeah, so Abigail did this, all that, Stephen, Sharon, you know, yeah, they just went out for Starbucks. I can imagine them just, like, being proper straightforward with it. So on March, March 4th, 1971, during the sentencing hearings, Manson trimmed his beard to a fork and shaved his head telling the media i am the devil and the devil always has a bald head however the female defendants did not immediately shave their own heads the state prosecutor vincent bugliosi jesus later speculated in his book helter skelter that they refrained from doing so in order to not appear to be completely controlled by manson as they had when they carved X in their foreheads earlier in the trial. So obviously, um, you know, the, when it says um, in order to not appear to be controlled, completely controlled by Manson, it seems that they do have some some sort of thought and some of those thoughts aren't controlled by Manson, luckily. By March 29th, 1971, the jury sentenced all four defendants to death. When the female defendants were left, led into the courtroom, each of them had shaved their heads, as had Manson. After hearing the sentence, Atkins shouted to the jury, Better lock your doors and watch your kids. The Manson murder trial was the longest murder trial in American history when it occurred, lasting nine and a half months. That, that's just wow. The trial was among the most public publicised American criminal cases in the 20th century and was dubbed the trial of the century. The jury had been sequestered for 225 days longer than any jury before. 
the trial transcript alone ran to 209 volumes or 300 no three thirty one thousand seven hundred and sixteen pages imagine imagine writing the transcript for that full case like no thank you yeah I, i'll i'll leave that thanks no thank you um now moving on to the third imprisonment now post-trial events manson was admitted to state prison from los angeles county on April 22nd, 1971, for seven counts of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder of the deaths of Abigail Fanfolger. Oh, what? Right. Wojciech um, Frykowski, Stephen Earl Parent, Sharon Tate Polanski, Jay Sebring and Lino and Mosemary Labrionka. Now, as the death penalty was ruled unconstitutional in 1972, Manson was resentenced to life with the possibility of parole. His initial death sentence was modified to life on February 2nd, 1977. On December 13th, 1971, Manson was convicted of first-degree murder in LA County Court for the July 25th, 1969 death of musician Gary Hinman. Um, he was also convicted of first-degree murder for the August 1969 death of Donald Jerome Shorty Shea, or Shea following the 1972 decision of California versus Anderson. Um, that was like a landmark case in, um, that was outlawed. Um, California's death sentence were, were ruled unconstitutional and that any prisoner now under a sentence of death, may file a petition of writ um, habeas corpus. So it's a law through which a person can report an unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court and request that the court order the custodian of, per of the person, usually a, like a prison official, to bring the prisoner to court to determine whether their detention the detention is lawful. In the Superior Court, inviting that court the court to modify its judgment to provide the appropriate alternative punishment of life imprisonment or life imprisonment without possibility of parole specified by statute of the for the crime for which he was sentenced to death manson was thus eligible to apply for parole after seven years incarceration his first parole hearing took place 1916 I mean, November 16th, 1978, at California Medical Facility in Vacaville, <clears throat> where his petition was rejected. On December 13th, 1971, Manson was convicted... Oh, wait, no, sorry, wrong bit. Um, so, this was during the 1980s and the 1990s. Now, in the 1980s, Manson gave four interviews to the mainstream media. The first recorded at California Medical Facility and aired on June 13th, 1981. Um, it was by Tom Snyder for the NBC's Tomorrow Show. The second recorded at San Quentin State Prison and aired at March 7th, 1986, was by Charlie Rose, for CBS News Nightwatch, and it won the National News Emmy Award for Best Interview in 1987. The third, which Ger Geraldo Rivera in 1988 was part of the journalist primetime special in Satanism. At least as early as the Snyder interview, Manson's forehead bore a, a swastika, which basically is a symbol, Asian, Regillian, religious icon in the cultures of Eurasia um you know it's a symbol it's it's a, it's a bad symbol um and in the spot where the x carved during the trial had been Nicholas Shorek um conducted an interview with Manson for his documentary Charles Manson Superstar Shorek I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but like I don't want to, you know, concluded that Manson was not insane, but merely acting that way out of frustration. 
on September 25th, 1984, Manson was imprisoned in the California Medical Facility at Vacaville when inmate John Jan Holmstrom poured paint thinner on him and set him on fire, causing second and third degree burns over 20% of his body. Holmstrom, Holmstrom explained that Manson had objected to his hair Krishna uh, chants and verbally threaten him. The Hare Krishna trance is like a mantra, also referred um, to Maha Mantra. It's a 16 word Vaishnava mantra which is mentioned in the Kal Kali Santarana um, Upanishad, and which from the 15th century rose to importance. Um, and so in 1989, Manson was housed at in the protective housing unit in California State Prison, uh, Coro, um, Corcoran, um, in Kings County. The unit ha housed inmates whose safety will be endangered by general, um, you know, like population housing. And he has also been housed at San Quentin um, State Prison, California Medical Facility in Vacaville, Holmson. Um, Folsom, sorry, State Prison and police, um, Pelican um, Bay State Prison. In June 1997, a prison disciplinary committee found that Manson had been trafficking drugs. He was moved from Corocoran State Prison to Pelican Bay State Prison a month later. Now, I'm going to do the next part on part five because this is based on... Um, more of this you know like 2000s um type of uh year so um stay tuned for part five and we are back with the last part of the charles manson case part five um so let's get straight into it on september 5th 2007 msnbc aired the mind of manson a complete version of a 1987 interview at California's San Quentin State Prison. The footage of unshackled, un unapologetic and unruly, Manson had been considered so unbelievable that only seven minutes of it had originally been broadcasted on today, which is like a, an American news and talk morning television show that airs on NBC, um, for which it had been recorded. In March 2009, a photograph of Manson showing a receding hairline, grizzled grey beard and hair, and the sw ah, so it is the sw swastika tattoo still prominent on his forehead was released to the public by California Corrections officials. So in this, he's just basically holding. This is him, aged 76. Um, he is holding. Um, a letter, well, like a piece of paper that says California State Prison Manson, comma C, and his number was B, um, forward to three three nine two zero, and the date for then was the six, um, six month of the sixteenth two thousand and eleven. Now, in twenty ten, the Los Angeles Times reported that Manson was caught with a cell phone in 2009 and contacted people in California, New Jersey, Florida and British Columbia. Um, a spokesperson for the California Department of Corrections stated that it was not known if Manson had used the phone for criminal purposes. Manson also recorded an album of acoustic pop songs <laughs> with additional production by Henry Col Rollins. Rollins, sorry titled completion only five copies were pressed two belong to rollins while the other three are presumed to have been with manson the album re remains unreleased i do not blame them for not releasing that honestly um now this bit might be um confusing but i'm gonna try and explain it as much as i can so this is when he got like his illness so on January the 1st, 2017, Manson was suffering a gastro, a gastrointestinal bleeding at California State Prison in Corocoran when he was rushed to Mercy Hospital in downside Bakersfield, in downtown, sorry. 
A source told the LA Times that Manson was seriously ill and the TMZ reported that his doctors considered him too weak for surgery. He returned to prison on January 6th and the nature of his treatment was not disclosed. On November 15th, 2017, an unauthorised source said that Manson had returned to hospital in Bakersfield, but the California Department of Corrections and Rehabil Rehabilitation did not confirm this in conformity with state and federal medical privacy laws. He then died from cardiac arrest resulting from respiratory failure and colon cancer at the hospital on November 19th. Um, this is basically the development of cancer from the colon or the rectum, the rectum, sorry. And so um, he died, he basically died. Um, three people stated their intention to claim Manson's estate and body. Manson's grandson, Jason Freeman, stated his intent to take possession of Manson's remains and personal effects. Manson's pen pal, Michael Channels, claimed to have a, a Manson will date have a Manson will dated um, February 14, 2002, which left Manson's entire estate and body to channels. Um, Manson's friend, Ben, claimed to have a Manson will dated January 2017, January 2017, which gives the estate and Manson's body to Matthew Roberts, another alleged son of Manson. Wow, okay. In 2012, CNN ran a DNA match to see Freeman and Roberts were related to each other and found that they are not. According to CNN, two prior attempts to DNA match Roberts with genetic material from Manson failed, but the results were reportedly contaminated. Um, on March 12, 2018, the Kern County Superior Court in California decided in favour of Freeman in regard to Manson's body. Freeman had um, Manson cremated on March 20th, 2018, and as of February the 7th, 2020, Channels and Freeman still had petitions to California courts attempted to establish the heir of Manson's estate. At the time, Channels was attempting to force Freeman to submit DNA to the court for testing. Now, obviously, Freeman Freeman was definitely trying to get, you know, the estate and carry on um, probably Manson's legacy, to be honest, because, I mean, if he was his son, then you never know. It might, whatever, you know, like, genetic stuff that I was going on with Manson might have transferred to Freeman, so you never know. But I would like to say thank you very much if you listened to part five. Um, as you probably know, this is my first episode um, with separate segments. Um, if you would like to follow my Instagram, it's crime and ghosts altogether, no caps, no letters, anything like that. And um, so I hope you had um, fun listening. Um, I had fun researching about Charles Manson um, and anything, any like other crime. Um, criminal that you want me to um, find out about on next you can go to my Instagram drop me a quick message and I will definitely get back to you so thank you and you have been watching the morgue